Okay, well, come on back in, find the seats. Been a good morning so far, enjoying our time together. I'm aware that this is actually, uh, for some people, it's the last morning with us. Some of the students uh, who have been graduating or uh, some who have been over from England for part of their course this year um, and they're heading back. Uh, so uh, we will miss you if you're going. Uh, please come back and visit us sometimes. We're so blessed to have people come as students and be part of us and uh, we love it but uh, we're sad when people go. So bless you as you uh, go into everything else that God has got for you. And uh, just to add as well, on top of what Brent was saying about the weekend, uh, the church weekend, uh, don't forget, it, it is a free weekend. People can sign up for free. And we still have some spots for adults and uh, youth. Uh, so we, we're full for children, so elementary school age children, we're full. Um, but if you are an adult or a youth, you've still got space to come uh, to the conference. It's going to be a great time. We're really excited about it. So please, there's a wait list that you can sign up for on, the, uh, on our church website. Just follow the links through and then Jody will get in touch with you and book you in. So please, please do get booked in to that. And uh, exciting about the gift day as well. Great to see the kids coming up, putting their uh, gifts of money in there. Uh, and uh, it ties in really well with what I'm going to preach today. Um, one of the things that Brent said we were investing in is Kids Club, and uh, we're going to speak a bit about that today. We've got a team of people going out into the Devon area of the city each week, visiting children, visiting their families, getting to know them, befriend them. Uh, every Saturday, we rent out a bus um, and take them to our Saturday club, which uh, we have a lot of fun and games. We worship Jesus. We teach them about the love of God, and uh, we obviously, we prayed last year for Gemma. Booth to come over from England to run this for us. Last September, she finally got her visa to come uh, and uh, could come and, uh, and lead it. And uh, she was doing that on a voluntary basis until Christmas, bless you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we really do want to see this ministry grow and expand. And uh, so we've decided to pay, it'd be great to pay her for two days a week to do that. So uh, that's some of what uh, the money for the gift day is going towards. As I said, it ties in well with our passage that we're preaching on. I'm preaching on this morning. We're going through Mark's gospel, and uh, <laughs> it's spreading around, isn't it? <laughs> we're going through Mark's gospel. So we're up to Mark chapter 10. So if you've got a Bible, you may want to turn to Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. We're going to just read a few verses. I'll probably leave them on the screen there for you. Uh, it says this, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. All right, so we have this passage where children are being brought 
to Jesus. So as Brent said earlier, we've got a, a bring your baby up to, the, uh, up to the front with the microphone. We've had Joel with uh, his son and then Brent with his uh, coming up and being, being very much part of all that we are. And people were bringing children to Jesus. Uh, interesting, isn't it, that people saw something in Jesus which made them think, I want to go and bring my children to him. You kind of figure out, well, what, what was it that made them think, hey, I'm going to go home. I've heard this guy preach and teach and heal and see and do things. I want to go and get my kids, and I want to bring them to Jesus. They clearly saw that there was something special about Jesus. They clearly knew that if they brought their children to him or brought children to him, these children were going to be impacted in a very positive way. And don't you just long for more times in God's presence like that, where we're enjoying God so much, where His Holy Spirit is so tangible amongst us that we think, you know, I've got to go and I'm going to bring some more people in here. I'm going to go and get the kids. I'm going to, because we just know that they're going to be blessed. Some of us are thinking, I can't imagine wanting to go and get my kids and bring them in. But, but we, we know if in those times when the Holy Spirit is going to be worshiping that they're going to be blessed. We're worshiping God. So when we think of people bringing children to Jesus, I don't imagine that it was some kind of religious occasion. It wasn't, it wasn't as though Jesus was this cold, formal person who's going to just put his hand on their head and say, oh, bless you, my child. It says at the end of the passage, he takes them in his arms. He gathers them up. He scoops them up in his arms and he welcomes them and he loves them and he lavishes the love of God upon them. Children would want to be around Jesus. They'd want to be around Jesus because there was something attractive about Jesus. I imagine he was going to be quite a fun person to be about if you were a child or, or even if you were anyone. I mean, why, why, why do I say that? Why do I think Jesus was going to be quite a fun person to be around? Well, he was invited to lots of parties, wasn't he? We know he was invited to weddings and he was invited to other parties. He hung around with the people. And the people who invited him to the parties were groups of people who were known as, as sinners or immoral people, tax collectors, people who got drunk because Jesus was accused of being drunk as well. Jesus wasn't afraid to go to the people who no one else really wanted to go to, who the religious people said, oh, we're going to stay well away from those people. Jesus didn't stay away from them. Jesus went and, to, um, and was with them. And he got invited into their gatherings. I, you know, do you suppose that people like that today, people who maybe would see themselves as not religious at all, people who would see themselves as just out to have a good time, maybe people who were a little sketchy in what they did. Can you imagine that they said, hey, let's have a great party. Do you know what's going to make it even better? We're going to invite that Baptist pastor along, and he can come along. He's going to really make the party go with a swing, or insert whatever denomination you want. Um, <laughs> unless the Baptist pastor was really embodying something of who Jesus was, which hopefully he is. Um, because Jesus was the sort of person everyone wants to be around. So he's... He gets invited into these areas. That's, that's who we need to be. We need to be the sort of people who are attractive to be around, who are going to get invited in to these sort of places, welcomed in. Jesus was attractive to be around. It was probably a lot of fun. But he was also God. And Jesus was going to bless the children. 
their li- who come to him and anyone. Their lives were going to be enhanced in his presence. Ultimately, we're going to find restoration and forgiveness in him. Jesus was going to teach them. He was going to teach children. He used children, didn't he, in, in his ministry. So even just the, the chapter previously, I think it says, you know, the, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. And it says, Jesus got a child to come and stand before them, before the disciples. Now, the, the children would have just been around. It's not like, oh, go and find some child somewhere. No, the children are there. And, and he uses the child as an object lesson. In John 6, we see the feeding of the 5,000. What does, what does Jesus do? He uses a child. He uses a child who's got some fish and some bread, and he, and he says, okay, let's take what this child has got and let's use it to do an amazing miracle. Children weren't just around him. He engaged them. He used them in his ministry, and they learned from him. Actually, we see all, all the way through the scriptures that children were around at key times. In First Chronicles 31, just one example, for example, there's a huge offering that is taken up, a huge uh, people are giving, and it says that the kids are involved too. That's why we wanted to include children today in our offering. Uh, last week, we took it up at the end of Joe's um, message. The children were out, but we said, hey, we want the children to be in so that they're able to give themselves. They're able to give. It might just be a few cents. It might just be a dollar of of their own money, but they're able to participate in this. We're not excluding them from what we're doing as a church. We don't want to cut them out from the joy and privilege of being able to give to God. I don't imagine that Jesus was just telling the children what to do, how to behave. He wasn't just coming and saying, well, this is how you should live your life. He was blessing them. He was enriching their lives. He wasn't just teaching some sort of moralism. Parents weren't saying, okay, do you know what? If you don't tidy your room up, if you don't start treating me with a bit of more respect, I'm going to take you to Jesus, and he's going to really tell you what to do. He'll sort you out. It's not like Jesus is some kind of strict high school principal in the minds of our children. And and you sometimes hear people saying that. People say to kids, well, what would Jesus do if he saw you doing that? What would Jesus think about that? Well, you know, we don't just want to be teaching our children that Jesus is just some sort of heavenly parent or, or, or disciplinarian who's just going to be looking down critically. Yes, of course, God wants us to live in holy ways and live well and live right and in the power of the Spirit. But Jesus comes with grace. Jesus comes with love and grace and mercy as well. And we want to teach our children that. We want to teach them that he is God. We want to teach them that he's not just a friend, but yet he is approachable. We've heard that this morning, haven't we? We can come into his presence freely. It's great to be around Jesus. That's why when we run something like Kids Club, we actually incorporate lots of different elements in Kids Club. And there's a reason why we do everything that we do. So currently, we have a space theme. We've done superheroes last term. Uh, Now we're on space. Uh, We'll we'll probably go on to do pirates next, I think it is, or, or in the sea or something like that on the sea, not in the sea. 
We've got space at the moment. We've got people dressing up as uh, Tim here dresses up as Yip Yip, um, the, the, the alien. Um, I dress up as Darth Vader. Uh, our team captains are superheroes and they come in. We, we do a lot of fun things like that. We play silly games where we squirt ketchup at each other, smash eggs on each other's heads, uh, drink pop through our socks. All kinds of things like that that you might think, oh, what's that about? Well, well why, do we, why do we do all of that? We do it because it's fun. We do it because it's fun. I mean, we're teaching kids that Jesus is someone who is fun to be around. There's many things that the world is going to hold up as fun to our children and to our young people. The world's going to say, hey, get involved in this. It's a lot of fun. This is going to be great. This is going to give you a lot of pleasure. A lot of those things are actually sinful. A lot of those things that the world would hold up as attractive are actually sin. But God intended us to enjoy him in all of his fullness. There's too many Christians who would talk about the joy of the Lord, but they look so miserable that no one in their right mind is going to say, oh, I want some of what they've got. We want to be having fun. We want to enjoy ourselves. We want to enjoy ourselves in God. And the world would tell us, oh, well, God and Jesus and the church, they're just boring irrelevant. But there's a life in God which is so much more enriching and fulfilling than anything that we can imagine and that the world would have. And kids especially, we want them to know Jesus is approachable. Jesus is approachable and and Jesus is fun to be around. So we we do those things because we want them to know that there's life and joy in God. But we also want these children to know that, that Jesus is God. And, and so we'll sing songs and we'll worship him. And we'll, and we'll dance around and we'll shout out his names. But the words, his name, but the words that we're singing, they're worship of God. They're not just silly words. They're, they're, they're worshiping Jesus for who he is. We're telling him how much we love him. We tell him how much he's done for us. And then we teach our, these children to listen quiet, quietly when we're teaching through the word of God. And And we want them to listen, and we we say, this is important. You know, it's great to have so much fun at Kids Club, and we we can play the games and do the competitions and sing the songs, but we get to hear from God now. God's going to speak to us through his word, and so we're going to listen. We're going to focus. We're going to be silent. And so they sit quietly, and we teach that Jesus comes, and he came and died to forgive them from their sin. And we invite them to come to him and receive his forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And we talk about how God can change their lives and deal with things that are going on in their lives. Deal with the anger that they face. Deal with the hurt that they face. Deal with their temptation to lie. Deal with wanting to just be people pleasers and get in with people to be popular. All of those things, we're teaching them God's word. So that's the whole big picture People were coming and bringing children to Jesus because they knew they were going to be blessed. But Jesus' disciples, they were stopping them. They were stopping them bringing these children. Well, why were they doing that? Well, for these disciples, the children were probably an irrelevance, an inconvenience. They weren't important enough to get to Jesus. There wasn't enough time for them. Jesus was already busy enough. He had already enough people pressing in, wanting Jesus' time, wanting Jesus' attention. So we don't want the kids coming. We don't want the kids 
being an inconvenience, disruption, messing things up. Are kids an inconvenience? Sure. In many ways, they are. In many ways, they can be. They can mess up our plans for an ordered, quiet, peaceful life. Kids don't kind of allow us to do that. If we've got kids, things get a little bit more crazy, a little bit more messy, a little bit more unstructured sometimes. It can be hard work. But they're a wonderful inconvenience, if they're an inconvenience. They're wonderful. They're part of our family. We're blessed by them, whether they're part of our, our, our biological family, our, our, our nuclear family, or whether they're part of our church family. We're blessed by them. And it's easy to allow ourselves to slip into the mentality that the disciples had and just allow ourselves to just become irritated with children or, or, or see them as less important or see them as, as, as less needing of the love of God. I mean, we, we can say, oh, do you know what? I was, I was trying to sing that song. I was trying to listen and, I had, and, then, and then there was this baby next to me and they were just crying and I couldn't focus and I couldn't concentrate on what was being said. And, we can, and if we're not careful, we can just get, allow ourselves to get irritated. And our ideas of what church meetings and gatherings together should be like, they, they get in the way of truly being church family. I've heard of some churches that, that actually ban kids from being in the meeting at all with their adults, right from the start. Some friends of ours went to a church and they... They, wanted their, uh, they were trying to get their children in with them. And they said, oh, no, the children are, are over here. And, and these friends of ours said, well, we'd just like them to come in with us and be with us. They're, they're well behaved and everything. They said, oh, no, no, they can't. They're not allowed in. They're not allowed in. They were a distraction. Now, you know, obviously, if, if, if there's a child screaming the place down, it, it's a good idea to take them into the lobby. But but we want to have kids in our worship times. We deliberately have kids in our worship times so that families can worship God together, so we can worship together as a church family. And then we provide Christ Central kids, and a lot of the kids are, are in this next door room here. And if you listen, you'll probably hear them. And, uh, and you might say, oh, it's a little distracting. Well, sit on this side of the room. if it's <laughs> You'd be distracted by someone else over there. Um, we provide Christ Central kids so that our kids can receive some teaching about God at their level. And, and hopefully they enjoy that and they, and, they, and they learn about Jesus and they feel very much part of who we are. But do you know what? If, you, if your kids would rather stay in here with you, they're more than welcome because really it's wherever they want to find Jesus. If that's where they come to Jesus, if that's where they come and find Jesus, that's what we want to do. We want to help our children to know him and grow in love for him. And, and actually we can put up barriers to children coming to Jesus if we're not careful. We can hinder them. Sometimes we hinder them in ways without even realizing it. So I'll highlight a few ways. Now, in, in all of what I'm saying, by the way, I want to recognize if you are a parent, you're doing an amazing job. It's such a tough job being a parent. I know, I'm a parent. Uh, <laughs> we're going through it, we've been through it. Um, but let me encourage you, let me encourage you to press on and believe God 
for some of the things for our kids because the Bible encourages us. God has got great things for our kids. We can easily forget about the amazing, transforming power of God. Emma reminded us this morning, didn't she? She said, she spoke about Abraham, and she said, Abraham, the only way he could press on in what God had got called him to do was by knowing that, that God was someone who could raise people from the dead. That's how he, he knew. He's gonna, he was told to sacrifice Isaac. But I'm believing that even if I do that, God can raise him from the dead. And we worship a God who brings life to those who are dead. We worship a God who, brought, who raised Jesus from the dead. He raised us to life from the dead as well. The Bible tells us we were dead in our sins. It tells us we were once dead. Here we are. As for you in Ephesians, it says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratify, no, I can't say that. gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you were saved. It's by grace that you have been saved. We can take those verses and we can sometimes look at our children and we can think, that's describing my kids living, gratifying the cravings of their flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Well, well, Paul's saying, that's what we were all like. We were all dead. Sometimes when we're, when we're looking at our kids, it can be difficult. We can be facing battles and, and difficulties, and it can seem like we're not getting anywhere sometimes. And we can think, oh, it's so difficult. It's tough. It seems like they're dead. God is a God who raises people from the dead. He brings life to the dead. And we can sometimes just focus in on that deadness. If you're part of our life group, you will know that when we go around it, and pretty much every week we say, okay, are there things to pray about? Are there things that we want to pray and encourage each other for? When it comes to me and Debbie, and, and people say, well, what would you like prayer for? Almost always, it's something to do with our kids. Almost always, because it's a battle, because it's difficult, because there are things that we're wanting to believe God for, but we're day by day, week by week, sometimes it can be overwhelming. And we were like, yes, please pray. Please pray for us that we have patience and grace and love and mercy and can show the love of God to our kids. And please pray for them that God will change them and mold them and shape them and transform them and bring life to them. So maybe, maybe your kids struggle with attention in church. Maybe they don't seem to have any life or interest in God. It's easy to believe nothing's going to change. But let me encourage you, God can make our children alive. Not only that, he wants to make our children alive to him. He wants to do that. He specifically placed them in our families. You know that? Whether, whether you gave birth to your children or not, whether you adopted them like we did, God has placed your children with your family because you are the person he's entrusting to, to love them, to show them Christ's love, to bring them up, to come and know and love the love of the Father. He wants 
to bring them into a living relationship with Him. Jesus is going to affect our children's lives. So we can expect that positive things are going to happen in the lives of our kids when we gather together. And sometimes it can seem like it's, it's a real battle. As Gary Gallant was saying the other week when he was preaching, we're in a battle. We're in battles all the time. Even just getting out of the house on a Sunday morning can be a battle. It can be difficult. I know in our family, we can have meltdowns and tears before we've even got into the car. And sometimes it's not just me and Debbie. Sometimes the kids <laughs> are, are, can be difficult too. <laughs> but by the, by the time we get here, it can just be like, oh, we just want to get through this first part of the meeting so that they can go to Christ and to kids. Because it's, you know, we can be fielding them the whole time. But let's come and believe that even with all that going on, that the Holy Spirit's at work. The Holy Spirit's present here when we meet. The Holy Spirit's going to be moving in the lives of our children, even when we don't see it. Sometimes our kids don't even seem to be paying any attention at all. I mean, ours are at the age where they're in during the meeting, and you, th- and you think, oh, they're not, they're not taking anything in. And then you'll suddenly realize later on, well, something was going in. Something was happening. The Spirit's at work, and it's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Many of us would have concerns if, uh, if our children uh, got taken and sat in through some Hindu worship service or some other religious meeting because we'd think, oh, I might be a bit worried they're going to be negatively impacted by what's going on. We can get fearful. That's understandable. But our God is far more powerful than any other God's. So even just being in a room where, the, where God is being worshipped and the presence of God is being manifest by His Holy Spirit, how much more positive is, things are, is God doing in our children at that time and in us? Our God's more powerful than any of these other gods. And He encourages us. Our children are going to be blessed and encouraged from the youngest baby upwards when we meet together. So let's see our children with eyes of faith. And as a congregation, let's see it as well. As parents, we have an awesome privilege and responsibility to disciple our children. But, but what does that mean? It means to bring them up to know and love God. Parents teach their children. Paul reminds Timothy, let's flick to this passage here. Paul reminds Timothy about how he had known Scripture from infancy. Uh, Paul says, As for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of. Why have they bec- has he become convinced of it? Because you know those from whom you've learned it. You know the people you've learned it from. Well, who, who would they learn if he'd learned it from? It says in another passage in, in, in uh, one of the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, how he'd learned it from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois before that had taught his mother Eunice. So he'd learned it from his family. He'd learned about scriptures from his family, from his mother. How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy had known about the scriptures from infancy, from when he was tiny. He learned it from his mother. And we can, we can expect that God is teaching our children from infancy. We might want to get hold of some great books that teach 
scripture, actual scripture, and teach our children from the youngest ages. We run mini kids on Tuesday mornings at our 487 Brunswick Street building. Mini kids is not just a group where parents can come and gather together, although it is that. We, parents can encourage and support each other. But uh, mini kids is a place where we're actually teaching scripture to the youngest children in an age-appropriate way, through puppets, through big book stories, reinforcing it through crafts. We've got a great team there, but we're trying to do exactly what Paul's speaking about here. We're trying to instill the love of God and an understanding of Scripture in our kids from infancy, from infancy. So parents can teach their children, and as a church, we can teach our children. Parents also model things to their children. Much of discipleship is about seeing someone living a life following Christ and following in their ways, um, and others following in their ways. Paul talks a lot about this. Here's just one verse where Paul says it. He says it a lot in Scripture. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul's saying, I'm learning from Christ and I'm following his example, and he's confident enough to say, and you follow my example. And then in another part with Timothy, again, he says, okay, you've learned this from me, so teach others. You're modeling it. He says to, I think, the Corinthians, he sends them, Timothy to them, and he says, I'm sending you Timothy. He'll remind you of my teaching and all of my ways in how I live my life. So discipleship of any age, discipleship is following what Jesus has done, and learning from others. We, we learn from others. We're learning from each other in the church. And with children, they're learning from us, and they're learning from their parents. That's the essence of discipleship. So we're models to our children. Whew, that's quite a responsibility the whole time. Does that mean we're supposed to be perfect parents? Well, no, of course not. We're not perfect people. Actually, when we pretend to have things sorted, we, when we pretend to others, you know, like when we show up on a Sunday, if we, if we say, oh, yes, yes, I'm, I'm just in the glorious presence of Jesus the whole time. My whole life, I just am on this cloud of worship and praise. And, and our kids are looking at us going, you must be kidding me. <laughs> You're not like that at all. That, that's where they see hypocrisy. That's where they're going to think this whole Christianity thing is garbage because it doesn't stack up because my parents are one way at church and they're another way at home. Actually, we're supposed to just be honest about who we are. We're not perfect. When we pretend to have everything sorted, that's not good. Our kids will think it's all fake. But we can model lots. We can model dependency on Christ. We can model going to Jesus and praying when we're struggling about things. We can model asking for forgiveness, even from our children, when we mess it up. And teaching them to ask for forgiveness as well when they sin and mess it up. We can teach them how to put relationships right. There's so much that we can teach our children at home about Jesus. Through our, not just our words, but also our actions can shepherd their hearts. We can pray for them. We can help them learn to pray. We can be in the Word, and hopefully they'll see us in the Word. They'll see us praying. They'll see us being generous with our finances. We'll model that to them. We'll model forgiveness. We'll model so many more things as well. Our kids are seeing all of those things, and it's tough. It's tough, isn't it? Let's just recognize how tough it is. 
No one's saying parents aren't doing a great job just to get to the end of the day. But each of us in the church can encourage parents and support parents in it. Some of us have been through it ourselves before, and we can come and we can bring encouragement and advice and just say, keep on going, you know, it's worth it. Keep investing, keep believing. Others haven't been there yet, but we can help out too. We can help when it comes to church too. We can help here in the meetings. And, and we can help in the way that we view church too. What we're believing for when it comes to church and our children is going to have a huge impact on them. If we talk at, at home about how much we love church and how much we love the people and we make every effort to get there on time and we show how much we value it and, and then at, at the end of the day talk about how much God's spoken to us and the things that we've received and hey, wasn't that a great worship song? Then our children are going to learn those ways and they'll learn to love the church too. If we go home and, and kind of start critiquing the songs that we sung and pick apart the message, we're teaching our kids to be critics, not to love Jesus. We want to teach our kids to love Jesus, to love the church. When it comes to worshiping together, we want to be together worshiping. I'd encourage us actually to worship as families and stand as families when we gather together, especially when our kids are young. Because we can model how to worship God passionately. As parents, we can show how to worship God corporately. Now, maybe when they're a little older, maybe fuel age or whatever, it's good to be able to, to have encouragement from others in the church. So I know it's great. Beth and some of the fuel team, they're starting to gather some of the young girls in fuel. And they say, hey, come and let's sit together. And there's a discipling there going on. There's a modeling of something going on. Maybe that's at a point where those kids have had it modeled from their parents, but now they're having it modeled from those who are a little older than them. That's great. That's fantastic. But for younger kids, I'd encourage you, have them with you. Teach them how to worship. Um, you know, if we, if we kind of say, oh, well, why don't you just go away? You just go and color at the back or whatever. Well, that, that's maybe just communicating. We don't really think that you're going to get anything out of this time. Jesus isn't going to speak to you. It's just for adults. Now, I'm aware you might say, well, that's tough. It's really hard to worship with our kids. If it's all right for you. You've only got two kids. I've got three kids, four kids, five kids, six kids, however many kids you've got. Well, it is tough. It is tough. No one's pretending parenting is easy. And actually, if it's tough and you've got a big family, Get some other people. Get some single guys, single girls in the church to come and sit near you, sit with you. They can be with you and encourage you in encouraging your kids. But you might say, well, that, that means I'm, I'm never going to be able to worship Jesus in a kind of undistracted way. Well, that's true. But, but the Bible doesn't tell us that that's what we're supposed to be doing when we're worshiping. That's kind of what we feel we should be able to do, just have this this place where we can worship God undistracted. But the Bible doesn't say that. There's other times as well when we can come together and hopefully be undistracted, like all-together meetings and life groups and prayer meetings. But worship may well just be trying to sing the song and we've got one eye on our children who are arguing or someone's pulling you on your arm to try and get your attention. But it's still worship. We're still worshiping. It's real we might think, oh, I'm on the verge of being totally overwhelmed here, but I'm, I'm still going to sing to God. That's worship. 
God's at work in your life. God's at work in the life of your children, even if they're climbing all over you. God's still at work in them. So if you don't have kids, let me encourage you to help and encourage those of us who do, because it's tough. So if a, if a child's being noisy or crying in the meeting, being a bit distracting, don't turn around and stare at the parents <laughs> as if they didn't know that their child was crying. They know. <laughs> The stare of shame is not going to help them. <laughs> we can come alongside. We can help and support them. Now, I do believe that this passage as well that we've been looking at also speaks to those of us who are leading our times together as a church. So I've been challenged this week as I've been preparing it and just thinking about, well, what do we do in our meetings? How do we structure them? How are we actually helping and engaging the kids? How are we drawing the kids to us? And I think there's some real challenges that we, that we need to look at and we need to face there as, as leadership and as a church together. Jesus drew in the children. We saw it earlier. He used them as object lessons. He involved them in miracles. So how are we going to do that? And maybe we do need to think about some of the songs that we choose to sing and think, are they accessible to kids? Now, I think parents can help by playing these songs that we sing generally in the car or at home, teaching them at home. But it might be great to, maybe we could include more songs that are just fun. And they might not be complex or musically interest, interesting, but if they're saying how much we love God and they're fun, then, then great. And maybe we do need to be more aware of our kids in announcements or specifically encouraging them to participate. It's been great. We've had, I think, uh, Neve sometimes comes out and she'll bring a prayer or a word. We want to see that more. We want to make it easy for kids to do that. So we don't want to be those who hinder our children. We want to be those who bring our children to Jesus. Now, of course, some children don't have anyone to take them to Jesus. And that's why we run ministries like Kids Club. We going, we're going out to the places and we're seeking out the families whose parents do not know God. Maybe whose lives are very difficult. Maybe uh, in, in some of the more needy areas of the city. And we're to become spiritual parents, spiritual brothers, spiritual sisters to these kids. We're the ones taking them to Jesus. It doesn't say who the people were who were bringing children to Jesus. It doesn't specifically say that it's their parents. Probably was. Probably would have been their parents. But there was a wider family uh, grouping in Israel at the time. But we can be involved in bringing other kids to Jesus. So with Kids Club, we don't only work with the parents, although we do want to see parents come to know God too. Uh, the kids isn't just a way to get to the parents. We want to see these kids come to know Jesus. Many of them have never known unconditional love. Many of them never known it from God. Possibly they've not even known it from their parents and their families. Yeah, we can show it them. How do we show that to them? We show it by being committed to them. We show it by going and visiting them once a week. And we show up on their doorstep each week and say, hey, it's great to see you. It was great to see you on Saturday at Kids Club. And hey, how's your week been going? We can talk to them about what's going on in their lives. We can really get to know them. We can show that we love them, that we're interested in them. We seek to lead them to God. We can help to take care of them, but we can also help the parents to take care of them too. 
Because ultimately, we want to see whole families saved and added to the church. Yesterday at Kids Club, we had 61 children there. 61. It was amazing. It was a great time. I think some of them were from our church family. 47 of them came on the bus from Devon, from the Devon area. We want to see more. We want to see more, not just because we can say, hey, we get 61 kids, because these are lives that are being impacted by Jesus. Why wait until all the children in our city have grown up and got messed up with sin and and just got their lives messed up and ruined, and then we say, hey, let's go and try and fix them. Let's get in there, get to know them, get to know their families while they're young. Let's lead them to Christ now so that they live their lives knowing and loving Jesus and being able to stay away from sin. And we're about it as a church. We've got a team of people who do it on a weekly basis, but we're involved as a church. You might not be able to serve on the kids' club team, although maybe God is speaking to you about that. But you're able to give towards it and through our gift day and, and weekly, and you can pray for the team and you can pray for the kids. And as you do, there'll be so much fruit that we'll see coming in the lives of these kids. And our Sunday morning kids work as well. God might be speaking to some of you to, to start to serve in our Christ Central Kids team on a Sunday morning. And you might think, well, why would I want to do that? But you can really pour your lives into some of these young lives. You can model your love of Jesus to them. Not just because you think, oh, I'd rather be in there than listening to the message. But because you are sacrificing and investing something of what Jesus has put in you. Serve because you love the Word of God and you love Jesus. You want to impart it to other people. And you'll be willing to make that sacrifice. You'll be willing to say, you know, I'm going to go in there and it might mean I have to listen to the message online later on in the week. So I'm being fed as well. So I'm being fed and I can feed the children. I was looking this week on on, uh, our database to see who served on the team. It's encouraging to see the people who are serving in Christ Central Kids. Great job. Some of them are going to be in there now with them. And they're keeping them pretty quiet, eh? But some of, you, some of the rest of you serve here. You're doing a great job. One thing I noticed, there's not so many young men serving right now on Christ Central Kids. So I'd encourage you, consider serving. It's a great way to learn about parenting. It's a great way to get some skills before you're a parent and a father or a mother yourself. It might be a good way to find a wife. (laughs) It might be. You're in there serving with someone. Hey, we love kids together. Let's serve. (laughs) (laughs) Got to use any means possible. (laughs) All right. Let's just wrap up. Time's going on. What does does Jesus say? I think all of that hopefully will encourage us to have faith for our kids and that Jesus loves our kids. Kids in our church, kids in the city. But what is the reason? Let's look at this last bit here. What is the reason why Jesus says to his disciples, let the children come to me? He says, for such as the... To such as these belong the kingdom. I think he says that somewhere. Yes. The The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to such of these. He's not saying the kingdom of God belongs to children. He's saying to those who are like children. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. 
Basically, he's saying, we can learn from children. We can learn from children. That's kind of upside down. Jesus is, is an upside down kingdom. We can learn things from kids. Surely children learn from adults, we might say. No, we can learn from children. Jesus says we're to model ourselves after them. What specifically do we model ourselves on? Well, it's not their innocence or their purity, because they've not got either of those things. You'll know that when you're a parent. It's their helplessness. It's their helplessness. Children are helpless in many ways. They come and they know they need the help of others. They know they need the help of others. That's why they tug on your arm the whole time in the meetings, because they need you for something. They come and they need, they know they've got a need, and they come and they ask for what they need. And they know that if they've got loving parents, then they're confident they'll receive what they need. And Jesus is saying, come like that to God. Come like that to God, knowing that we are helpless without him. Knowing that we're in great need, but being confident that we'll receive what we need from God. That's how we come to God. Not with pride and arrogance, not believing we don't need any help from anyone else. Jesus says if we're to enter into his kingdom, we come knowing our weakness. Asking for God's forgiveness, asking for restoration, asking for help with confidence that we'll receive it from him. Children point us to something far bigger than themselves. Children stand for a kind of dependence and helplessness and need and insufficiency and faith that those of us who are adults need to enter the kingdom of God. They point the way to salvation. Jesus says, to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. We don't have it all together, do we? Life's tough. Life's a battle. But we have a heavenly father. We have a brother in Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit who can give us everything we need. And we can come boldly and freely and we can tug on God's arm and we can ask him for what we need. And whether it's the grace and the patience and the wisdom to be a parent, or whether it's the strength to get through the next day, or whether it's the love that we desperately need to be a witness to God, to those around us. We need God. We need God. So let's come. Let's come to him. Let's come freely to him because we can come freely to him. Jesus' arms are there ready to scoop us up like he did with the children. And he'll welcome us and he'll embrace us and he'll empower us and give us all that we need. Why don't we pray together? The band might want to come back. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you do use children to point us towards yourself, Lord. Lord, we, we need that humility. God, humble us. Humble us when we think that we've got it all sorted, when we think that we can, we can just make out that our lives are, are good without you. Lord, we need you. We need you so much. Thank you you show that through children, Lord. And I thank you for the blessing that children are to us. Lord, I thank you that even though it can be really tough, it can be really tough and we can face many, many battles. Lord, I thank you for the awesome privilege that it is that you give us children amongst us, whether it's our own physical children, 
Lord, whether it's children in amongst us as a church, Lord, we embrace what you're doing among them. We want to be those who embrace it. We don't want to be putting obstacles in any way. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can be confident that you're at work, that you're bringing life where there's death. Lord, you're bringing hope where it can sometimes seem hopeless. Stir us in faith. Encourage those, especially those who are parents, Lord. Give us faith for our kids. Encourage us that you're at work. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.